Mets Musings is an unofficial, independent podcast covering New York's National League Baseball team. It is not affiliated in any way with Major League Baseball or the New York Mets. Now it's time for some New York Mets baseball talk. Here's Gary Mack bringing you the latest news and analysis from Mets Nation and the world of baseball on another edition of Mets Musings. Hello and welcome to another episode of Mets Musings. What we're doing this week is we're going to play the show that we recorded last week uh, before we found out about the death of Tom Seaver. We had a show all set to go. We're going to play that show. It's a roundtable show that we did, and it was done right after the uh, trade deadline, so there might be some some gap in time, but uh, I hope you enjoy it. We tried to uh, have some fun and answer a lot of questions. So without further ado, here it is, the Roundtable Part 2. Okay, and uh, welcome back. We thought we would do the uh, Roundtable again that uh, we uh, started last week. We ran out of time, so this week we have more time, so we're going to continue it and uh, joining me once again is uh, uh, Jeff Cohen from Baseball and Barbecue and his co-host uh, uh, the Wilpons lover. <laughs> Hello there. Len? I didn't go anywhere. You know, the last episode ended abruptly and I kept thinking you were coming back. So <laughs> I haven't eaten. I haven't left this room. It's been, it's been a week. Oh. And, of course, my uh, former co-host, Barry Newman, is there under the Galaxy tab. Hi, guys. Barry? So we've Did- had some uh, some interesting things happen to this ball club. Not really. They still suck. But <laughs> we have had a, a trade deadline. And we've had a deadline for bids for the team. So let's start with the trade deadline. Uh, the Mets did make a move, though frightening as it is, because we don't know what they gave up. Um, they acquired a 36-year-old broken catcher and uh, a 34-year-old uh, third baseman. I love the youth movement on this team. And Miguel Castro, they got from the Baltimore Orioles, all for players name later. Uh, the first two guys, Robertson Chironos, a stellar uh, slugger at a 234 career batting average. Uh, and uh, Todd Frazier, the Todd father's coming back. Wait, wait, Todd, Todd Frazier? That uh, one from Tom Jordan, New Jersey? That Tom? That that, Todd, I, unbelievable. He's everybody he won the Little League World Series. Yeah. Everybody comes back. <laughs> All right, everybody's thoughts on this, Jeff. Uh, I guess low risk move. You know the old player to be named later, except for uh, the Miguel Castro trade. They gave up a left-handed pitcher of Kevin Smith and, and Cash. And Kevin Smith is, uh, I see, is the ranked number twelve prospect. So, okay, you know, 
I don't know that much about Miguel Castro, but he's an arm, a serviceable arm, I guess. Okay, and uh, that's why we don't have any starting pitcher in the minor leagues. Right. Uh, because uh, Brody has traded them all away, all the youth. I think it's something like 12 pitches or 10 pitchers that he's traded away for literally uh, Zippo. Haven't got anything in return for it. So uh, way to go, Brody. Barry, your thoughts on uh, the trades? Okay, Gary, first of all, I think you should – Change the name there. It's from Gary Mack to Dripping with Sarcasm. <laughs> you know what? He, he didn't do too much damage. Like Jeff said, Smith is the 12th rated prospect in the organization. And at first when I heard that Todd Frazier was coming back, initially I thought that J.D. Davis was hurt more than they were letting on. I see he's not in the lineup tonight. And as insurance and a defensive replacement, which the Mets can use pretty much at every position when they get into the lead and a righty back off the bench, it's not a big deal to get Todd Frazier back. So I, I, I have no major problem with the moves that Brody, Brody made. I thought it could have been much, much worse. Well, we're not sure. It could be much, much worse. For all we know, uh, the players to give the name later could be uh, Brett Batty or uh, no, no, or we don't know what he's capable of. Well, we kind of know what he's capable of doing, and it's not good. Now, when do they announce the players to be named later? When when is that going to happen? Who knows? Could be after the season, um, which might be my guess, because that way they can try to sneak it by you. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, you know, the day before he gets fired by Uncle Stevie, who knows? Uh, we really don't know. But, uh, Len, what are your thoughts on the trades? That's funny. They got cash for someone. I think they have $364,000 cash. They probably needed some of that, I guess. Uh, the, the, the pitcher that they traded, Smith, who was ranked 12th, you know, I mean, he could he could be something. You know, I know I know everyone likes to say, well, they're just prospects, and uh, you never know. But some of these prospects are going to become major league players. And you know, what about David Peterson? If he had been traded, I mean, he's he's basically our number two. I mean, I, I think they're they're depleting the farm system, and uh, we're not getting much in return. To, you know, the, the players we're getting, I, I mean, like you said, we got a, a catcher who's, you know, light stick, uh, you know, really not a great fielder either, actually. Uh, I know they wanted uh, Boston's catcher, uh, what, Velasquez, right? Mm-hmm. But they, I guess apparently Boston was asking too much. Um, but I just, again... I just don't have a good feeling about it, especially now. It looks like they're basically saying, you know what? If if, if Stevie Cohen is going to, you know, have this team, it, the cupboards are going to be bare for him, you know, because I think he better get in here quickly because there's going to be nothing left. He's going to, it's going to be like, it's going to be like one of those things where you buy the house and then you go into the house and you see that it's, you know, they destroyed it after it. You know, after you bought it, 
because uh, it looks like they're just trying to win at all costs. And and what are they trying to win? Uh, a sixty-game, you know, exhibition season. So I, I just I'm not feeling good. I'm not feeling good. I want to feel positive, and I'm not. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't. Uh, I, I don't think they should have done anything. I don't think they should have let him do anything. And uh, I, I think you know, I, I read somewhere, and I should have saved it. But since he's been here, he traded away uh, Justin Dunn, Anthony K, uh, Simeon Woods, Richardson, uh, now uh, uh, Kevin Smith, and there's about five other pitches that he. Uh, he traded away, and then he wondered why we have a dearth of starting pitchers coming out of the minors because he's traded all of them away and literally, again, literally got nothing, nothing for them, got nothing for Justin Dunn, uh, really got nothing for Anthony Kay. Uh, now for Kevin Smith, he got nothing. Um, it's just, it's just uh, ridiculous. And how this guy even has a job now is uh, beyond my expectations. But uh, so let's talk about how he may not have a job because we may have a new owner. I believe it. I'm like uh, Barry on this one. I believe it when I see it. But uh, apparently uh, everybody else has dropped out, and Steve Cohen is the last man standing and has offered less of a bid than he did the last time, which was if they were smart, they would have took it in December, the idiots. But uh, going along the line of the, the will ponds, they're going to get less money. The thing I don't understand is, and maybe you guys can uh, uh, tell me uh, about, is that I don't get it. I always thought you put a bid in, and that's the bid, you know, the highest bid, whatever, wins, and that's who gets the team. Um, they all dropped out. He put a bid in. And now he's got to negotiate with them. There should be nothing to negotiate. I put the bid in by the deadline. That's the money you're going to get. You know, where, where is this exclusive, uh, uh, all of a sudden, exclusive negotiations? I, I don't understand that. Can somebody clarify that? Well, yeah, I mean, it's not eBay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, where, where you put the bid in and they accept your bid and that's it. Gary, I, I'm no expert, uh, but, you know, just because they put a bid in, it, it's a, I guess the Wilpons could really sell to anybody they want. I mean, they don't have to accept the highest bid. Uh, obviously, it's stupid not to, number one. Number two, I guess it's like selling a house. You put a bid in, accept it, then you can negotiate. Yeah, this you got to fix, that you got to fix. So it's things that, uh, you know, things underneath the uh, surface that they got to look at. Look at the financials. Look at debt that's uh, on on the stadium and whatnot. So it's a lot of big money uh, deals. Very very complicated. I wish I was in them, but I'm not. <laughs> All of that have been in this this time when they were. They put in the initial bid, and then there was a gap. Shouldn't all of that stuff been done in that time? So when the final bid came in, I mean, they could just say, we're not going to take that bid now. And then we went through this whole circus of saying, uh, yeah, we're going to take the bids, and, uh, you know, the final bid, we'll look at the highest bid and all this kind of stuff. So it was all a big circus then. It meant nothing at all. And though I believe that they do want to sell, and I think it's because um, 
They want to sell by the end of the year, I think, because of capital gains. We don't know what's going to happen in the election. Uh, they don't want to get hit with a big capital gains tax if, if uh, uh, somebody gets elected. And uh, so that's my guess. They're motivated sellers. But I, I just I don't get it. I, I just want to clarify one thing that you said, Gary. You say that they want to sell. I don't think they want to sell. I think they have to sell. Well, OK. Yeah. Yeah. But I think from that point, they have to sell and they, and they they have to. They they want to sell though by the end of the year due yes. to the election. That's let's put it that way. But okay. I don't think they got enough money after this year to really continue on next year. So uh, and like you guys said, it looks like because they what I had read there they've lost a hundred million dollars or more, and they they can't continue to operate that way, and. The contract being finalized, there's probably a lot of paperwork. The lawyers want to make a lot of money and read over and make sure that all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. And I'm cautiously optimistic, though I've said before and I'll say again, I'll believe it when Uncle Stevie is at the podium being announced as the new owner of the Mets. So in closing on this issue i'll say stay optimistic and keep the faith and let's go uncle stevie (laughs) buy the the mets and let's move on from this disaster that's known as the wilpons and brody and maybe a new manager too maybe just a total house cleaning once uncle stevie is the official owner of the mets len yeah gary uh there's a few things one why didn't anybody tell me that everybody would be wearing hats tonight? <laughs> okay. I mean, okay. I guess for anyone listening to this podcast, they're just saying, what the hell is he talking about? But so everybody is wearing a hat except me. I feel very left out. But you said you had to move from that spot for two weeks. But that's so if true. you didn't have a hat spot, well, I guess you you could have asked your wife to bring you one. Yeah. Right. You're, you're, Very good. How have you barbecued? I couldn't. I I had to have everything brought to me. Um, (laughs) Anyway, um, and then, uh, you you know, we're talking about the sale of the mats, right? And what the bids and all that. (laughs) Who cares? I lost lost train of thought. But, you know, Gary, one thing, uh, because we're talking about money and the Mets losing money. I don't think it's so unrealistic, maybe maybe from the one season. But if this continues, I could definitely see a team, Major League Baseball team, it might be a, a, another sports team, hockey, I, I don't know, basketball, where they, they have financial troubles and have to, well, either sell or fold because um, – the teams are going to lose money. And, you know, some of these smaller market teams that don't have fans, they don't have big TV revenues. They don't have the fans. And I wonder how, you know, how they're going to survive. As far as the Mets go, yeah, this, it should have been something that said, you know, if you're going through everything, you know, they, these, and I know they've got money and all that, the, not the, the Wilpons, but these groups that are bidding and, you know, you take your chances but obviously they had to put lawyers together and, and, you know, go through all this. 
and then to just not have anything happen, uh, I could imagine. I know that, you know, obviously there's disappointment. I know uh, the A-Rod J-Lo group has expressed disappointment. But like with Cohen, this is his second time. And I would think if something doesn't happen now, I don't think he's, I don't think third time is going to be the charm. So they, they better get this done and negotiate, get this done. Because I don't see anybody else swooping in and stealing, uh, you know, the team. So if the, if the Wilpons truly want to sell, it looks like Cohen is their best option, whether they like him or not. And he offered a little less this time. It's still billions of dollars. So, you know, I see Barry's crossing his fingers. Remember, we're, most people are just listening. <laughs> Barry's crossing his fingers. And yeah, but <laughs> hopefully they, they end up selling. But if the Wilpons do need to sell this team, I mean, it's not like he's, it's not like he's offering, you know, uh, chump change. It's billions of dollars. So. Well, I think they're going to want that, that, what was it? Two and a half million uh, less that, that uh, he's going to get it for. I think they're going to want that now. And I would tell him, you know, look, there's no guarantee I'm going to make money in here for five years. The way people are moving out of New York. Uh, is there any going to be anybody left to go to the games when 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 they let us go back to the games? It's well, going to take a while for everybody to get, go back. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, Len, let me just tell you that a a Rod and J Lo they'll be just fine. Uh, don't worry about them; they'll be just fine. The difference is a Rod and J Lo their group they had to get a consortium of other people to come in and loans from the bank and lines of credit and all that. Uncle Stevie just had to write a check. That's all he has to do. That's the big difference, right? And I think they knew that too. And 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 they were they were going to try to go as far as they could down the line. And then once I think he came in, I I, I think that they kind of figured that's why they went to talk to Kraft. And they were trying to get some more heavy hitters in, probably to get more leverage and and cash into this uh, consortium, if you will. Um, but it didn't work, and uh, you know they had to they had to drop out when they figured uh, that he was going to win the bid anyway. But apparently, winning a bid doesn't mean a thing to uh, this sort of the uh, money deal. So, uh, all right, we all hope then that uh, it does go through. But uh, like uh, I don't know who else, but I don't trust it until, as Barry said, I see uh, Uncle Stevie at the podium. Uh, saying he's the owner of the Mets and they give him the keys to the, the city field. I almost said Shea. They give him the keys to city field and, and uh, the office there. Uh, subject, Edward Diaz. Guys wanted to talk about it, uh, so start chatting. Anybody can start. Okay, I'll, 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 I'll start. Uh, it's the, look, what, what, what can we say? He's not been used the way he should be used, but there's, there's still no excuse for some of these performances, but I will, and it's going to sound like I'm defending Diaz, but three times in the past week or so, I think since we were last on, the manager has brought him into situations where either the bases were loaded or there were 
multiple runners on base. And say what you want about about Diaz's performance in those situations, but when he comes into a game in a clean inning, he usually performs okay with the bases loaded or with men on base. That forget about it. You just that the game on Sunday, you you, you just knew it was going to happen, and that got me so depressed. I didn't even watch the second game. Having said that, if they had a better option, they would go when they put Seth Lugo in the starting rotation, which now seems like another ridiculous move because if you're only going to get three innings out of Lugo in a, in, in a nine-inning game, what difference does it make where the three innings come from? And Diaz is obviously not reliable, saying you can only use him in a clean inning. Well, you can't always have your closer come in with a clean and there are going to be times when you need your closer to get out of a basis loaded situation and you have to be able to rely on him and obviously you can't rely on Diaz so having said that I really I really don't know what what to say now I guess they have to just keep throwing him out there but they really should try to stay away from Aces loaded situations and just try to get him into a game in the cleaning. Now, that Sunday game, they had a seven, the Mets had a seven to two lead going to the, the bottom half of the seventh inning. You, you would think that that game should be over and say what you want about Diaz, but that game, his predecessor and the games before that, they were the ones that put the runners on base. So, you got to put some of the blame on the rest of the bullpen. I mean, Justin Wilson was good last year. He's been terrible this year. So that leaves you with pretty much nobody that you can rely on in the bullpen. And I know in the second game, he blew up and gave up the grand slam. But I've been saying for weeks that I've been messaging you guys, why not give Drew Smith the opportunity to close out these games? Could he be any worse? Nobody could be worse than Diaz. I don't even think any of us could be worse than Diaz. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, I I could roll the ball to the home plate and, and throw a strike probably than, than he could. Um, oh, oh, okay, then, Gary, how do you explain the Friday night game when he came in, I think the score was 6-4, to four, and it was 1-2-3, strikeout, 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 ball game over. Mets win. The Mets win. Even a, a squirrel, a blind squirrel, finds a nut every now and then. Uh, you know, but I think it's a little unfair when you say that. Amelia comes I mean, in when when the inning is a clean inning. Generally speaking, he, he does okay. He's not the disaster that he is when when there are men on base. And the same true, the same was true last year. But he, I mean, you can't always have a clean inning. That's what he's he's supposed well, to. Be. True, that's true. Close is supposed to close the door. He's supposed yes, to. Yes, that's right. I'm sorry, I can't stay in anymore. Okay, I've been sitting. You, you, podcast listeners don't see me. I'm going out of my mind. I, he's a reliever. He's a closer. You don't come in in, in every inning clean. That's a, a closer's role isn't to come in when the when there's nobody on base. He's okay. he's oh. a closer. 
His role is to come in when there's runners on base. I don't care if his base is loaded. He's supposed to stop it. If that's the role he has, that's supposed to be. No, no clean inning. That's not. Oh, contrary, my friend. I, I, I will. The baseball fan in me agreed with you, but that's not the way the game is playing. What Tony LaRusso started with bringing Dennis Eckersley in for one inning, clean inning thing, and that's how this whole thing started. And if he doesn't come in with, if he comes in with runners on, he's going to blow it. It's just. Happened. I know, but I agree with you. I, I think a pitcher should be able to pitch. Then he should be a closer. And I'm going to say but something on Mets musings that's going to be, uh, I'm probably going to burn up. So watch me get struck by lightning. This is why at Mariano Rivera was great. Yeah, but Len, he came in with clean innings too. But he also came somewhere. in with runners on base. Really? But, really? Oh, you guys. You can't tell me that a closer rarely did that. Come in in a clean inning. I agree with you, but that's not how it played anymore. Oh, rarely he did that. Oh, how it's played anymore. Then he's not your closer. Then he should. Be. There's, no, there's no such thing as a closer coming in with, with runners on. Rarely it happens. You know, they make a big deal. Oh, four outs. That's a big deal these days. You know, a five out save. Oh, my God. It doesn't happen anymore. So from now on, when there's bases loaded or there's a runner on second or a runner on first, if there's if it's not a clean inning and your closer comes in, you basically say, look, we know you're going to give up the run, but someone's got to pitch the inning. They're going to put less than they don't put less than their best in at that situation because they want the best having nobody on base in a clean inning. Oh, well, tell me what's wrong. Tell me wrong. Tell me it doesn't happen. It does happen, but it shouldn't happen. Well, I agree with you, but it, that's the way it happens now. Your reliever is supposed to be able to finish the game. But they don't. Uh-oh. They have to have a clean inning. God, but they don't. I can't believe you guys. What is going Look, on? Look, I'm, I'm with you. I'm old school. Give me a guy who's two on, seventh inning, one out, bringing the guy, pitch dressing game. Bossage did that all the time. They don't do it now back these days. That shouldn't be old school. It should be now school. It should be every school, private school, college, master's degree. Every school, prep school. I'm sorry. Why? You tell me he can't. He so he comes in and and you just know he's gonna give up a run. I, I mean, what kind what craziness is that? I have a solution to the whole thing, then start him. <laughs> Let him be the first inning. Right. And then they yeah, that's clean, true. Clean inning. And see, what, what constitutes a clean inning, though? Because, I mean, if he walks the first guy, then do you take him out of the game right away because it's not a clean inning now? Oh, no, they have to play three batters now. With yeah. Familia, that's, that's easy. Put him in. There's a runner on right away. You might as well just put the guy on. <laughs> oh, and the fact is, that's why uh, I, I think Diaz has a 2.27 ERA or whatever. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> he lets everybody else's runners come exactly. in. Right. And he doesn't get charged with it. He doesn't get charged. And then he's out. Yeah. Yeah. But guys, if he had a better option, wouldn't that, wouldn't that guy become the closer? Now that they've come in from Lugo in the starting rotation, they really don't have a better option than Diaz. I, I, I think I put Guillorme in. I think his <laughs> <laughs> is good. 
The problem is uh, with bullpens now. And you know what? And I, I really don't blame Roma, uh, Rojas for this. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> but the bullpen manager yeah, is... The Yankee, the Yankee manager. The moves he made during the week. The Yankee fans must have been going bonkers. He took out Jay Happ on Saturday at a one at a one hit shutout going. He he looked like he could go on. He t- took him out, and boom, the Mets tied the game in the ninth. Before he brings in Chad Green, he gives up three home runs. I mean, boom, handed those that first game to the Mets on Friday night. And I think we would all agree that if we could switch managers with the Yankees. We do it in a heartbeat. You know, like, like I, was, I was saying, Rojas with the bullpen management, it's really not his fault because the games are now so scripted that they have a, you know, the ground pitches, six innings, and they have a seventh inning guy, an eighth inning guy, a ninth inning guy. What happens with, you know, say, I don't know, Jared Hughes comes in, pitches seventh inning, gets three outs, pitches well. Why take him out? I don't understand. They got to take out for the eighth inning guy. It's scripted. That's the way the game is now, which is horrible. Why take out a guy when he's pitching well? So do we need managers now? I mean, can't we just hand the umpire the script and then in, in the sixth inning you say, okay, DeGrom, you're out, and this guy's coming in? That's what happens. It's scripted now. It's ridiculous. But, uh, of course it is. I, I mean, they're ruining the game. But, you know, we, we've said that and thought about that for, for years. But – uh, it, it's, it's this year in particular, I think you've shown a lot of things that are just plain stupid and they, and they try these other stupid ideas with this runner on second, the designated hitter and all of that other crap. And it's, it's, you know, I mean, uh, I see less cardboard cutouts. They're starting to walk out on them. <laughs> it's, 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 it's uh, crazy, and uh, I, you know, who knows what's going to happen when when people come back? If people come back, I bet you one thing. I don't think they would have walked out on that game the other day if if there were people in the stands because they would have had some revolution going on in the stands. Then they would have had some a lot of revolt, uh, a revolt uh, going on in the stands. People would not have stood for that then, and and you know. Uh, so they, they got away with it this time, but, uh, and then Manningly was cursing because he had to come back to New York yesterday. Well, why did you agree to it then? You shouldn't agree to it. You should have just said, no, we, we're ready to play the game. And if they walked off the field of Mets, then they forfeit the game, plain and simple. If I was major league baseball, it would be a forfeit anyway. Anybody that walked off, it's a forfeit. Uh, you know, this, this, uh, is, there shouldn't be any politics in sports. It's, it's ruining the game. And then this Manfred is just a complete moron with, with all of these changes he's trying to do and, and letting them and they ca- and all of these commissioners kowtowing to, uh, these political groups. It's just, it's just downright disgusting. I haven't watched the game in uh, since whenever the, when they walked off the field. Uh, I, I stomached the night before with the kneeling, which is another thing. Uh, when they walked off the field, that was it. I haven't seen a game since then. I, I don't usually watch the Yankee series anyway because I, I I hate interleague play and I hate the Yankees and I don't want to see their <laughs> fans. Uh, Oh, Gary, you, you didn't miss much. <laughs> I mean, you missed some horrible baseball, but that's about it. 
know what? It's getting so bad that on social media, people are wishing Mickey Calloway was back. And we right. ran him out of town. Um, you know, I thought at the end of the year that we were going to come after him with the tar and feather. Uh, and now they want him back. So, uh, you know, are the fans nuts? Or, or uh, you know, uh, I didn't think he did a guy said on this show that I, I think he deserved another year. Uh, I don't think he got a fair shake uh, from the Mets. And, uh, you know, and look what the mess they got into. They hired Beltron. Beltron gets uh, named in this thing by Manfred. Uh, coincidentally, the only player named in this was Carlos Beltron. He's out. And, uh, uh, and they bring in Rojas. And Rojas is definitely... He's in over his head. I, I don't know about that, Gary. I, I just think he's he's in a bad situation where, like I said, he's got a he doesn't have much in the bullpen, and it's scripted anyway. I mean, that you know, he, he's just following the script, following his boss's orders. He's he's got bad supplies. He's got bad tools. You know, you can't say to me, build a house, and then give me crappy tools and 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 supplies, and expect me to build you something nice. I, I just think. I mean, look. He's not, he's not hitting for Alonzo. He, Alonzo is in the order, and he's not hitting. I mean, the team. The team That's just, what I mean, though. That, that somebody's got to stand. He's got to stand up then to the general manager and say, "Look, this guy's not hitting. I'm sitting him." And oh, who? Who is he sitting up for, though? Does it matter at this point? I mean. Well, Really, does it matter? Rosario couldn't buy a a, a hit if the, you know send them. How can they not send it him? Drew Smith pitches a perfect inning, and then they send him back down to to Brooklyn the next day to the yeah. old camp. Well, that's not. I don't think that's Rojas. No. Why hasn't Rosario been sent back down there? Why hasn't Diaz sent been sent back there? All these guys should have been sent back to the minors or whatever you want to call it for this stupid exhibition season that they're playing. Uh, you know, it, it it it's just a joke. And this whole organization, Cohen should come in here and clean house. And when I say clean house, I mean clean house from top to bottom. I'm cleaning out the scouting department. I'm cleaning out the analytics department. I'm firing Brody. I'm firing the entire coaching staff and bring in baseball guys and start over. I'm, I'm firing half the team. To me, everybody's up for trade. He needs to blow this team up and just say, and tell people, tell the fans, look, I'm blowing it up. It's not working. Our farm system has been depleted. We need to build our farm system up, and we'll try to be competitive, but don't expect a lot for the next two years. And then build a team from there. Get what you can for these guys while while they're popular. If if it means trading Jacob DeGrom because he's going to be the most take – then you trade him if it means because what what good is it going to be? They're going to piece it together again, and the next two years he's going to be uh, uh, unable. I mean, he's not going to be as good, and they're still not going to have a winning team. So what's the difference? Trade him to a contender, doing him a favor right now before <laughs> it's, it, it's you know uh, before it's too late. And if look, if you can get something for Dom Smith, then you trade him. If you can get something for Pete Alonzo, everybody's up for trade. And and if the deal fits, you make it. If it doesn't, you don't make it naturally. You know, 
if somebody says they're going to give you, you know, 30th round draft pick or something, forget that. that. But if somebody's going to give you a first or a second round for, for a Pete Alonzo or Dom Smith, I'm trading him. First baseman or a dime a dozen, we've seen that all the time. You can pick up somebody and, uh, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and to play the position. So um, I don't know. Any you guys chime in with, with whatever. Oh. Well, Gary, yeah, you're you 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 about- down on Alonzo, and I, I guess I can't really believe you, but I think I have to think twice before trading a guy that young with that kind of power who is a drawing card. But, Gary, I basically get what you're saying, and I in part agree with you. Now, the time to have traded Jacob DeGrom was before you gave him that five-year 137 or something million dollar contract in fact we might have done a round table a couple of years ago and i might have proposed that that would have been like probably 2018 and i even think i remember saying that a team like the indians were really going for it and they, they just made a humongous trade the other way dealing away mike clevenger and getting back a boatload of prospects but they still have a very solid team, so they know what they're doing. But at that time, those young players that are now stars on the Indians hadn't developed yet. And can you imagine if DeGrom was in that rotation with uh, with, with Justin Bieber's brother or cousin or whatever his first name is, and all those other guys? And just think of the prospect you could have got back for DeGrom at the time. Plus, you wouldn't have had to pay him that $137 million contract. And he's worth every penny of it. But for his sake, it would have been the best thing for his career. Because like Harry said, right now, he is wasted on, on the Mets. So blowing it up and starting over again, I'm really all right with that. The critical thing, and I'm kind of doubling down on what I said last time, is who you're bringing in. Just... Once again, and I have it, I'm going to change in my Islanders hat. A couple of years ago, at this time, they had lost their best player, John Tavares, and the hockey experts of the world said, you got to blow it up, start from scratch. Well, lo and behold, they bring in Luke Lamarillo, one of the great general managers in, in sports. He hires Barry Trotz, who had just come off of winning the Stanley Cup with the Washington Capitals. The Islanders barely made any moves. The team they have now is very close to the team they had two years ago. I mean, they made one big trade at the deadline this year. But by and large, the Islander team of 2020 is the same team as the Islander team of 2018, minus John Tavares. But look where they are now, and – what the experts were saying, what they needed to do then. Well, they have a Hall of Fame general manager, a, a probable Hall of Fame coach, and they may win the Stanley Cup this year. So the point is that the Mets have to bring in someone you know, along the lines of a Lamarell or when they brought in Frank Cashin in the, in the 80s. And before you know it, that farm system was loaded with talent. And by 1985, they were contenders. Actually, by 1984, they were contenders. And two years later, 
they were world champions, although they probably should have won another World Series or two. They were a very good team for a very long time. Well, but they have to build up that farm system again. They've yeah. got a lot of players mm-hmm. on this team that want to win. What they don't have is winning players. That's the difference. They don't have players that that will do anything to win. They also oh, we want to win. Everybody wants to win, but there's a difference. You know, there there is a reason in the world why there are winners and why there are losers. Why there is a major leagues and a minor leagues. They they don't have winning players. That, and that's what they need. They need players to win. I mean, I hate the Yankees, but, you know, Paul O'Neill was a winning player. Was he a great player? No. There's nobody on the Mets like that. Um, that's why they need to blow it up. They, they, they were too concerned. <coughs> a, they were too concerned, and this goes back to uh, Alderson, too concerned with power and too concerned with with multiple position players, and they sign these shortstops out of out of the Dominican Republic, and 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 out of, and they draft shortstops coming out of college, and they can't play shortstop, so they end up either that they've got real good shortstops that can't hit, or they got guys that have played shortstop their whole career can't play anywhere else, and then they bring them up because they can hit like a Wilma Flores. And then they don't have a position for him. And then you put him in third base, he stinks there. You put him in second, he's, he's not great there. You put him in first. I mean, you know, you stick him in the outfield. Uh, Daniel Murphy, another another example. They stuck him in left field. Lucas Duda, they stuck him in left field. He was a first baseman. They stick him in left field. I This is what I mean by blowing up the whole organization. They got to get baseball people in there and scouts that recognize people where they're going to play early on and, and stick to that and let them work there and train there and let them play together. So, uh, you know, that they can rise through the ranks. Maybe you can get a, like the Dodgers did. They had that infield. They, the whole Dodger infield played together in the minors, came up to the major leagues. How You don't see that nowadays. Now you get a pinch here and a pinch there and maybe, you know, a little bit here. And then they don't give the guy a chance. Galore maybe is hitting over 300. Are they playing him now? Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Uh, Jimenez was hitting. All right, he got hurt. He's not hitting anymore. He's not hitting anymore. But they pulled him out of the lineup for a while while he was still hitting. We don't know with these guys unless you play him. This was the perfect year to play these guys because it, it doesn't really it, – it, it, to most fans – well, I shouldn't say to most fans. I don't know. It doesn't matter, though. Everybody's going to say this is an asterisk year, and and uh, nobody really cares unless you win. If you win, you're going to go. Oh, right, right. But are you going to remember this team if if they won? You're going to remember this team with the the same feelings that you have for the '69 or the '86 team? No, no. Well, you're not you're not going to anyway because you can't be in the stands. So there's no there's not going to be anybody saying I was at Game Six. I was there. I you know it's just not going to be the same feeling anyway. So a few things, Barry, you've got a new podcast called Islanders Insights with Barry Newman. <laughs> All right, Islanders Insights with Barry Newman. I like it. Okay, Gary, before. 
you were you you mentioned Rojas, but then you were talking about the organization. The moves Rojas really isn't the one who's doing those moves. I mean, that's supposed to be the GM, right? So He's it's not go. Rojas. Yeah. But but they're all going. Okay. But and I've always agreed with you because I've always said it. You you've got to blow up the team. I agree because again, and everyone says, "Oh, you're crazy. DeBron's so great." It's like having it's like having uh uh you know the thousand dollar tires on a jalopy, okay? The Grom, yes, he's great, and when he comes in and pitches, he pitches six strong innings. They don't score; they lose the game. So what? He he, you know, it's great to have an, a beautiful, you know, a, a, a nice front door, but on a crappy, rundown home. That's what these these pieces are that aren't going that that aren't doing anything i i know what barry's saying you know they, it was just Tavares, whatever with the islanders the mets they've got a few pieces that are really worth something if they had somebody in place you know somebody who has done it before a gm like maybe on the cubbies i know there's somebody <laughs> we have a friend of our podcast who will be upset but you know if you t- go to a team, Mr. Cohen says to them, you know, I want to make you an offer you can't refuse. I want you to come to the Mets. I want you to build it. I would trust someone like that to make those moves and to move a DeGrom, to move an Alonzo, to move these guys. And I agree with you. If, the, if they came in and they said, look, we know that it's not easy rebuilding, but we're telling you right now, we'll tr- like you said, We'll try to be competitive, but we're breaking it down, but we're not staying this way. We're going to build it up. You be patient with us. You are going to see. We're going to spend the money. When the free agents fit, we're going to get them, and we're going to build this team up. I think you'd find you'd have a fan base that would say that's great because otherwise what you have is, you know, you get lucky every once in a blue moon, like you said, uh, you know, even a, even a blind squirrel finds the nut once in a while. But we want a team that's going to compete year after year where our farm system comes in, the players come in, they fill holes. That's what they do. So I agree with you. It's time to do that. And, and that's the way they need to go. Oh, I'm going to take the opposite view. <laughs> of course. Just to give a different perspective. Uh, with Mr. Cohen coming and Uncle Stevie, I'm not sure if he's going to start right blowing things up. I don't know if he's doing clean house. He might be the type of guy who just sits back, let's assess what we have, and then I'll make changes. So it might not be immediate. That's all I'm saying. It I might not be immediate. What we have. I think it's obvious what we well, have. It's obvious what we don't have. He's going to have to do his own evaluation. But he's not going to try a baseball guy. He needs to get people in here who are big. His mistake is going to be if he thinks he's a baseball guy and he's going to do things with it because he's not the one that's going to observe. He needs people in here who are going to observe. He's going to do what he wants to do because he's the guy who called the shots. I think then I don't want him as the owner. Well, he's going to come in and let's say maybe he will blow it up. People say everybody's fighting to get out. Or you might say, look, I want to sit back, assess what's the we got, and then I'll make the changes where it's needed. 
I mean, the man has been very successful in his life. You know, whatever worked for him is going to work for him. Uh, let's take that 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 viewpoint, that uh, that angle of it, if you will, and say, okay, so he comes in and he signs a, a, a real Muto, or he goes after real Muto. He signs a Bauer. He better than, I mean, really, and and. You know, unless you're going to sign three or four of the top starting pitches, and I don't even know who's available next year. I think Bauer is the, the probably the best free agent pitcher available next year. Probably somebody, and you're going to have Syndergaard coming back off off of an injury, and you got Again. the usual. So then you still got to fill in four and five. So you're going to have what Matson Peterson. Okay, is that a winning combination? Uh, you still got a problem with the bullpen. You still got a, a, a problem. You don't know who's going to hit. Is Alonzo going to be, you know, we don't know which the real Alonzo is. Is he going to be Joe Charbonneau or is he going to be, you know, is he going to come back next year? Uh, you know, uh, there's so many questions that I think it, it, it's time to blow it up because we keep, you know, do you want an 80 80- five win team every year and be close to the wild card maybe make it every year every year you make the wild card or something what do you want a team that's going to win 90 95 and try to win well, well gary if you win 85 games guess what you're making the playoffs <laughs> i know it's this year but it might be forever it might be going forward and one thing they have to do is they have to improve the defense on this team I mean, even when the Mets won the pennant, they were, and I'm being kind here, a below-average defensive team, and now they're a terrible defensive team. I mean, look at the plays they start. Every night they are below average in just about every position, and they're hideous in others, no matter who you put out there. And that's something that they, they, they have to change. It Maybe that's why... A lot of times they look like they're just going through the motions. They're just you're playing the first baseman in left field. You're playing a corner outfielder in center field. And Met fans love Brandon Nemo. He's a good guy. He's a nice player. But to be honest about it, on a good team, he's really a fourth outfielder. I mean, Conforto is a good player, but he's not a great player. But he's a, he's a good player. Rosario looks like he's making some progress, but yeah, I mean he's nothing special defensively. When Jimenez is in the infield, when Guillaume is in the infield, they're a better defensive team. But I don't think the Mets have been a good defensive team since the days of Olrud, Alonso. Yeah, listen to that. Alfonso, Ray Ordonez, and Robin Ventura. And then they were great defensive infield at least. I mean, it's it's just remarkable how many runs they they let just I guess you'd call them like team errors. I mean, balls that would be caught by normal defensive players drop in, or they just they just hit off hit off fielders' gloves, and the runs end up being earned. I think the other day Jake ended up giving up four runs. Well, I think there was an error in there, and and poor Jake, I. Saw the stat. I think Jeff, you were the one that that sent it to us about the number of no decisions he's had over the years, which is like four times the next guy. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, 
And it amazes me that he ever wins a game. I mean, the game's at the ground starts. You know what's going to happen. You can predict it a mile away. It's amazing to me that, that he ever wins a game. You, you would think that unless Jake's the kind of guy that he just lets it roll off his back, that he would say, I, I, I'm fed up with this. Just get, get, get me the you-know-what out of here and get me to a team where somebody can actually catch the ball or maybe they can get run, get, get base runners in when there are runners in, in scoring position. The Mets have been leaving runners in scoring position on base for forever. And, Jeff, I think you had the statistic the last time they were in the top two or three in batting average and on base percentage, but they're, but they're last – close to the bottom of the league and run score. You look at that lineup, they should be better, at least when you look at the names on the, on the lineup card. The team should score runs. And not only the uh, the defensive being so far below average, what, I mean, there's no speed on this Mets team at all. They never manufacture runs. I mean, it's the, this culture, and yet, even in 2015, when they, they, let's, let's be honest, they got lucky that year. I mean, they had the great pitching so they could overcome bad defense. And they got enough clutching. Cespedes gave them a boost for those two months. Say what you want about what happened after that, but for those two months, Cespedes, the Mets kind of rode Cespedes back and the starting pitching and got to the World Series. And, of course, with a, just a little bit of, of help from Daniel Murphy, hitting home runs like every other at bat in the postseason. But that was not a great team. It was a it was a good team, but it was not a great team. It certainly wasn't a built to last team, especially with the unpredictability of starting pitching. So if we're gonna blow it up, we we, we gotta do it right. We've gotta stop putting square pegs in round holes. The Mets have been doing this for years. Do we want to be an 85-win team every year? Well, I, I would have to say no. But we want to be competitive, at least having a chance to get to the World Series every year. And as far as the championship being tainted this year, well, whoever wins it, of course it's going to be a tainted championship. I, I, can't, I, I don't see how. With, with, with this pitching, and again, one more issue as far as the Mets' prospects for this season, they were projected to be about an 85 to 88-win team. But remember, they they lost Zach Wheeler to free agency, and then Noah Syndergaard goes down for the year with Tommy John's surgery, and Stroman opts out. So basically half of your, or more than half of your starting pitching staff from last year was gone. The replacements were questionable at best, so there was really no reason to think that the Mets would be an improved team at all this year, whether the season was 162 games, 62 games, or six games. It just wasn't realistic that they would be that good a team, and if people thought they would, they're just kidding themselves. Well, you mentioned about the uh, the wacky season, so um, I, I think we've uh, beat up uh, 
<laughs> the guy's enough here. But uh, let let's let's discuss about uh, what you think about uh, this wacky seven inning doubleheader, the seven inning games, and there are people that are are you know pushing for that they should go to seven inning games all the time now. Uh, my brother called me up and he goes, what the hell is it with these seven inning games? It reminded him uh, when he was coaching and I was playing Connie Mac baseball, because that's what we did. We played seven inning game, double headers on Sunday. Um, any, you know, I'll just open it up. Thoughts on the seven inning game. Yeah, I'll take this one. Uh, yeah, I've been seeing a lot of things on uh, social media about the growing momentum of having uh changing the number of innings from nine to seven going forward. Now someone claims it's just, it's like a, it, it, it's better baseball because the starting pitcher is in there for most of the game and it resembles the old time like, like it was years ago. Uh, I am not for a seven-inning game. I don't think the players are going to be for a seven-inning games because they would have to take a 22% cut in pay because they're being paying less. Now, are they going to do that? No. Uh, will our ticket prices be 22% less? I don't think so. Uh, you know, will our cable bill go down 22%? No. So, you know, it, it, it's ridiculous. And, uh, and, and all the statistics of over 100 years of baseball will now have to be rejiggered to reflect a seven-inning game. You know, strikeout per nine innings, you know, uh, you know, ERA. You know, it's all going to change. So... I, I'm so against having a, a seven-inning game. Uh, it's ridiculous. They, they, you know, who knows? One day Manfred might change his hey, look, you know what? Maximum amount of time of our game is two and a half hours. We stop after two and a half hours. That's it. I can see him doing something stupid like that. No to seven-inning games. No to seven-inning games. I mean, first of all, then what? what's a quality start? Four innings? I mean, yeah, and, and then they'll say, okay, well, you're going to get a lot more complete games by the uh, by the pitchers. You know what's going to happen? It, it's You're going to get pitchers that will go three innings and be like, oh, now we bring in the reliever in the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth. We have our, our middle inning guys, and then we bring in our closer in the seventh. No. You, you, oh, I, the, and you cannot – you know what? Wait, we're going to do seven inning games, so the game is shorter. And the players, you know, maybe there's less chance of them getting hurt. Why don't we now shorten the the base paths too, so the guys don't have to run as far? You know, we that way they they, they don't exert themselves too much. Come on, lower the standards, Paul. You know, you're not doing well on a test. Lower the standards, right? And and you know, yes. And and the other thing is these double these double headers that are seven innings. If somebody throws a no-hitter no in the seven innings, it's not considered a no-hitter. Well, it's not the pitcher's fault that the game's over. I mean, he can't say, well, wait, I, I would like to try for a no-hitter. Sorry, it's seven innings, you're done. But that's not a no-hitter. Anyway, I, it, no, it ha- they're, they're playing with the game. They're playing with the game too much. This season, forget it. I understand why they're doing the seven-inning uh, doubleheaders. I understand all this. But going forward, you cannot make changes like that. Don't play with the game as much. You can't. Don't do it. But look at yeah. the 
I, I'm okay with it for this Wait, year. what, Gary? Look at what? Just, just for this year only. Just go back to the Sunday game, the what we'll call it the Edwin Diaz blow-up game. And that game took over three hours. It was a seven-inning game. It doesn't just cannot even fathom what that game would have been like if it had been a nine-inning game. So for this year and this year only, the seven-inning games when it's a doubleheader, I, I, I can live with it. Glenn, as far as the statistics, yeah, I mean, if the starting pitcher goes four innings in a seven-inning game, shouldn't he be credited with, with the win instead of having to go five just like he would in a nine-inning game? And, and, yeah, these statistics are all whacked out, but everything about 2020 is whacked out. So I guess we just have to get through it and, and hope that things are better and we get back to some kind of normalcy next next year. I really don't think, except for the designated hitter, that these other rules that have been put in for 2020 are going to go forward. At least I hope they're not. I really don't think they will, except for the DH. That that's here to stay, like like it or not. That I don't think the DH is 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 gonna be for for one year only. And the other like the runner on second base, I, I I just don't see that going forward after this year. I mean the idea this year is to shorten the games to try as best they can to protect the health of the players. But they really cared about that to begin with. A, they could have just canceled the season entirely or tried to do it like I think we all proposed to do it in a bubble like the basketball and hockey leagues are doing where they haven't had one positive test for COVID in weeks. And one other thing I, I wanted to bring up, the postseason. The Oakland A's had a couple of positive tests over the week again for COVID. What what happens the last week of the season if, if a team comes up with a positive test? Well, and the, the playoffs are like the next day or a couple of days away. Well, what happens to that team if they're going to the playoffs? They, they've been screaming all this time that they have to finish the season by the end of September and finish the postseason by the end of October. The last couple of days of the season, somebody comes up with COVID, and it's one of the playoff teams. Let's just say the Yankees or the Dodgers come up with a, a positive COVID test. What happens to the what happens to the playoffs if something like that happens? I, I just wonder if they're just making this all up as they go along. I mean, it's just nuts. Well, it is just nuts, but uh, as I was uh, going to say before, look at the bright side with the seven inning. You can make Diaz your ninth inning guy, and you never get to him. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, That's the line of the night. There, there is a plus side. <laughs> that, was, that, was, <laughs> that was very good. Okay. Right, and, well, and Len, I thank you for that Islanders compliment, but there are many people more qualified to do an eye on this podcast than, than I am. But thank you. Uh, so you mentioned the, the wacky rules. Let's let's look at another one. The expanded playoffs. Are they going to be uh, here to stay? Uh, I think they will. 
I think all of these rules so. are going to be here so. after the next agreement. I think we're going to see seven inning double headers uh, for a uh, seven inning game for a double header. I think we're going to see uh, sec runners at second in extra innings. This is not an. Ex- they want you to believe this is an experiment this year, but this has been an experiment. They've had it the last two or three seasons in the minor leagues, and and the feedback hasn't been awful, and that's that's a shame, but that's the way it is. And <laughs> I think they're going to use that data and say that uh, the data here is, uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it's it's coming out good. They'll adjust the numbers to fit the way they want it to come out. And we will see these uh, after, maybe not next year, but I think in 2022. That being said, the expanded playoffs, I think they're here for good. Anybody else? Jeff? Yeah, unfortunately, I think you're right. You know, have more than more, more than half the teams in the playoffs, I think it's ridiculous. But I think it's here to stay. I agree with you, uh, Gary. The one rule I, I don't mind is having a pitcher pitch the three batters because I think a major league pitcher should be able to pitch more than one guy in a game. Uh, I do believe that. The uh, guy on second base, that's just not baseball. Come on. It's just so ridiculous. Uh, I think it's, it's a horrible rule. The uh, seven-inning doubleheaders, uh, if they don't schedule doubleheaders anymore, it might be used for, for rainout purposes to have to make up a game. Uh, do I like it? No. Will it happen? Probably. I think Bob Manfred is going to do everything he could to change 100 years of, of what baseball really is. Uh, the DH, it's going to be here. I, I don't like it. I kind of going to accept it only because pitchers don't pitch well into the game anymore. They, they, they might get one, maybe, maybe two at-bats. That's it. Then they're out of the game anyway. So I can see that happening. Um, it's just, uh, it's just, Manfred's ruining the game. He wants to put his stamp on it, and he's going to go down as, uh, you know, the guy who ruined baseball. Leonard? Oh, yeah, the, you know what? I think the expanded playoffs are going to mean money. Shekels. It's going to be right. Follow, follow the money. Yeah. Shekels in the pockets of the owners. Uh, so that is going to probably, uh, be a reality. Um, and of course, you know, then, then you'll have teams that are under 500. They'll make the playoffs and the fans of those teams will be very excited. They'll, their teams in the playoffs. And you know what? You'll get one of those teams one day, they'll get hot and they will win the world series. We're right. Under sub 500 uh, season, that will happen. So that will happen. As far as the other rules, uh, I'm what I'm saying is, do not make regulation games. I'm not saying double headers. Do not make regulation games seven innings. The beauty of baseball is it's a nine inning game. I mean, what are you going to do? Put a clock in it? Because I mean, if that's why make them seven innings? You can't. You don't make them shorter. Nine is a great number in baseball. Yes. Nine innings. Nine players per side. Ninety feet between bases. Yes. Nine is the number in baseball, and you know, yeah. 
Yeah, don't change that. Don't change that. I don't like the runner on second I, uh, in the extra innings. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I, if I was the great Kreskin and I could see the future, I would tell you. I don't like it. Uh, I am one who says, as far as the DH, I don't like the DH, but I feel like you've got the DH in one league. You don't have it in the other. It's not the same game because of that. It's two different games, but whatever. But there's going to be rule changes, but don't, but changing the game itself is, is, is bad. Um, but they definitely, the playoffs is definitely one thing I believe that will, the expanded playoffs is going to, is going to become a reality. Maybe go from five teams to six. I really don't think that it's going to be like it is this year going for I mean you would think that the players and maybe the owners and maybe even Mr. Manfred wanna keep some integrity back in back in the game and for a team going through a one hundred and sixty two game season having the best record in the league and then having to be the eighth place team in the league in a three game series I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous that I can't see that the players would be in favor of this. And, and Jeff, we were talking about doubleheaders, and I think you alluded to this. Most doubleheaders now, are when they're scheduled doubleheaders, they're day-night doubleheaders. You, you rarely see a scheduled yes, admission doubleheader. So I think based on that, well, I don't really think we're going to go back to seven-inning games for double S. I think that's a one-year rule only, and I'm actually kind of happy. I didn't like it at first, but having seen it in action with all these rescheduled games because of the COVID, seeing these and watching these seven-inning games that still go three hours because of these ridiculous true outcomes, because in my opinion, that's what slows down the game, the strikeouts, the walks, because that's just more pitches that have to be thrown. And then, of course, the home runs where the batter takes about four hours to round the bases, just admiring the flight of the ball. You, you do something about the way the game is played. Maybe that that's like you can shorten the game a little bit. But as long as the true outcomes are so prevalent, I don't see any way that, that that's uh, – Going to change now. Maybe it's just wishful thinking, and then, and hopefully these changes, except for the designated hitter, are for this year and and this year only. And also, these things are going to have to be collectively bargained on before the 2022. I think because we're we're looking at a long strike. We may be looking at a long strike anyway. So I think for 2021, they're just going to try and just tread, tread lightly on this. Could I see a six team in the, in the playoffs? Absolutely. And the NFL's done that, and it really hasn't, it really hasn't hurt their sport. And now they're going to add a seventh team to the playoffs this year. And I think that's just taking it way too far. I think for the NFL, six teams was perfect. And for MLB, I can live with six six out of fifteen. Any anything more than that, I think you're really 
really compromising the integrity of the sport. Well, they're going to expand eventually. There's going to be expansion. So then you might see an extra playoff game, another playoff game. Wonderful. More bad pitching. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll be six out of six out of 16. Keep in mind, though, with this with the whole COVID thing that you mentioned that uh, next year, if it's still around and there's a possibility, uh, they might talk about Ooh. wanting to get seasons in quicker and may schedule double headers. And if it's, you know, uh, they may go to seven game double headers and play once a month or something, a double header. And maybe that's the way they get the, the players union to agree to it is to go in for a seven inning game instead of a nine inning game. Uh, my question is then do we get any money back on our tickets because we were uh, paying for nine inning games and getting seven inning games? You're funny. You're funny, Gary. You're fu- <laughs> that's funny. That's very funny. <laughs> Will the players take less because they're playing seven innings instead of nine innings? You're funny too. Jeff, you're funny. You guys are funny. No, nothing's going to happen like that, but uh, I can see them doing it. Uh, uh, Manfred's out. I, I, I don't know why. You know, he wants to. I don't know. Are we going to get to the point where a guy hits a home run and you say you don't have to go around the bases now to save time? Yeah, I think we'll get to that point. Just go back to the dugout. What do you got to run around the bases for? I'm actually surprised that they don't do that already. Right? Well, they do it with the intentional walk. Yeah. I'm surprised, actually, that they don't have the guy just, okay, home run, back to the back to the dugout. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure we'll see it somewhere down the line as they continue to ruin the – to ruin the game, but uh, you know, we're always so positive on this. <laughs> so, any last thoughts, Len? Yeah. We'll start with you, Gary. I, I I feel like I I've gone this whole podcast and I haven't done what I wanted to do from the very beginning, and that is to give you a Gary Mack. I'm good now. Thank you. Okay. Barry? <laughs> yeah, I see you have next Mets assistant GM by your name, Len. So my question is, who is the GM? If you're the assistant, who, 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 who are you reporting to? You know, I had GM, and Jeff, Jeff who has the control here, he demoted me. He, he, I, I was the, G, the next GM, and he made me the assistant. But I, you know what? I'll go with Brian Epstein. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm with you, you there. Okay with that? That, that would be wonderful. <laughs> well, this is always a lot of fun, and I'm glad we got to express ourselves with more time on this one. And all we, all we can do is keep our fingers crossed, hope that Uncle Stevie does end up buying the Mets and doing the things necessary to make the team a consistent winner and that all this other nonsense that has wrecked 2020 can can uh, get better and if I could I'd like to plug a couple of books that I've read this summer and one I actually learned about from you guys on your baseball and barbecue 
podcast, and that's the Anika Oric book, The Incredible Women of uh, Professional Babies. If I got the title a little bit wrong, so be, but you know the book I mean. It, it, it's a great book, very well written, and, and the pictures are amazing as well. And I just finished the uh, Mr. Met by Jay Horowitz, too, and that, that book is great also. And he's 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 quite he's quite a character. He's had an amazing life. God bless Jay Harwood. The book is great. I I, I recommend it to, to anybody and everybody. And I believe he's he's been interviewed by both of us, right? You guys had him on, and and I've had him on. So go back and look in our, our archives. You can look for uh, baseball and barbecue and. Uh, uh, Mitch Musings. Jeff, any closing thoughts? Well, uh, waiting anxiously for Mr. Cohen to come on, get to the podium, and be the new owner of the New York Mets. We all know that he is a Mets fan, so I think he's going to want to bring a winner to New York, just like Georgie Crosstown did. Um, but he he's going to want to be sustained we uh, success for the Mets. We we know that, and I hope he does that the right way. Uh, and he's not going to be like Georgie firing everybody right away, like uh, you know hiring and firing the same guys. I just hope that he knows he. I know he knows knows what he's doing. He, he's a smart guy. You don't get to be uh be worth fourteen billion dollars by by being stupid. The guy knows what he's doing. He's going to hire the right people. He's going to bring in the, the right right team. And, and you know what? It's going to be a new era for Mets baseball starting in 2021. Well, if it's a Thornton McHenry, uh, Dick McHenry, who was on this show a while back, was um, on uh, the uh, WFAN radio today and – he says from what he knows of, because he's not a sports guy, he's a hedge fund guy, but what he knows about Cohen from covering him on the hedge funds is he's the type of guy, he may not be a hands-on guy, but he will bring baseball people in. This is what he says, so we'll see. He will bring people in, hopefully like experts, baseball people, and uh, that will do the job. And, and I'm sure he'll have a little, you know, you can't help it yourself if you're owning to make some suggestions like you know, uh, call California. Maybe uh, we can give them Degrom and somebody else for uh, Mike Trout or something like that. Uh, but uh, you know, I'm sure an owner would do that. But that's what they he claims. So we will have to see uh, how that all shakes out, if and when, or or should I say, when and if uh, Uncle Stevie does take over as owner of the Mets. He can't come too soon. And we can move this circus out of town, hopefully, and he can uh, clean house and uh, bring some true performers in instead of the clowns that uh, BVM has been bringing in. <laughs> amazing to me how a, a guy could uh, uh, make trades and on this level and not succeed in any one of them. Or maybe one was good, right? Uh, but, uh, you know, go down the list. Stroman, uh, Diaz, uh, Cano, um, 
who else? The guys in the bullpen that are terrible that they traded for. I mean, just... they, put, they brought in Billy Hamilton. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, he's he's setting a new record. Uh, he's making Mario Mendoza look like a slugger. <laughs> God sakes, what was he hitting? 043 the last I saw. Uh, that guy look. Uh, he might have great spirit. He can catch the ball. He certainly can run. But that's it. And as they, uh, who was it, Ralph kind of used to say, you can't steal first base. Although that might be a new rule. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Yeah, yeah. But I want to thank you guys for coming on tonight and uh, entertaining us. I hope the fans find it entertaining. And uh, we'll be back to wrap it all up uh, after this. Okay, we're back, and uh, let's take a listen to a couple of voicemails that we received. Uh, the first one was uh, sent in uh, before the Yankee series, so let's take a listen. It's from our good friend Sean in the UK, so Sean, take it away. Hey, Gary, it's Sean from Bristol, UK. Well, our Metsies were doing so well until COVID raised its ugly head, and since then, offense has gone to bitty buys. But the rock, the rock was stopped by a stellar performance from uh, Mr. Grant last night. 14 strikeouts. Fantastic. His hard work was, well, was nearly undone by the usual Mets bullpen implosion. Uh, great stuff with the uh, roundtable discussion last week, Gary. I know your vo- views might be a tad radical. Um, I'm actually totally on, on board with what you're saying. Uh, why not unload most of the roster, including Mr. Alonso? Personally, I'm fed up with to the back teeth of the trades over the last couple of seasons, it seems a quick fix to get somewhere near the playoffs, which in my humble opinion has backfired in spectacular fashion. So instead of trying to plug holes in the good ship Mets, let's get the ship into dry dock and offload cargo. In return, you and I both have a boatload of young talent, and let's go into a rebuild. Uh, anyway, sorry for all the maritime phraseology, Gary. Uh, would it be an understatement to say this weekend's five-game series against a team whose name I cannot utter is the magical break of this weird season? As always, love what you do. Uh, stay safe, my friend. Cheers, then. Bye-bye. And thank you so much, Sean, for that uh, voicemail. Yeah, uh, they got off to a, a okay start. Wasn't going to do too good. Then they got better. And then, of course, as you said, the... Uh, the COVID outbreak uh, missed a couple of days and did not play well. He didn't, you know, uh, the voicemail was before the Yankee series, and uh, that didn't go well. Started off real well, but did not go well the last three games. So um, I'm glad you agree with me, and I love the maritime, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, adding those maritime ideas there was just great. It gives you a good picture. Unload the boat. That's what I say. <laughs> Unload the boat. All right. Thanks again, Sean, and uh, thanks for your uh, listening. Uh, and uh, next is from a guy we just heard from uh, on the roundtable. Lynn voicemailed me after uh, the show and had something uh, further to say, and let's take a listen to that. Gary Mack, it's Leonard Aberman. From Baseball and Barbecue, the podcast, Baseball and BBQ, where the BBQ stands for barbecue. 
Hopefully your listeners uh, that listen to your show know our show because it certainly, if they are listeners of yours, they would enjoy ours. But that's not why I'm calling. I'm actually calling because we had a wonderful uh, roundtable discussion uh, with the wonderful Barry Newman, uh, my incredible co-host Jeff Cohen, and of course you. And it was wonderful. It was spirited. There was some debate, and it was a lot of fun. But... What I wanted to say was, me personally, I I tried to bring some humor to the conversation, you know, because I was thinking about it. We 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 sometimes we take these 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 sports too seriously, and right now the world is crazy, and we I try to 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 joke, bring humor to it. Hopefully, people know that I'm also. Serious about the team and stuff, but you know what? It's all in good fun. I want you to know, I had a great time on your show. It was a, it was very enjoyable. But I hope that people don't take it too seriously because this is, you've got millionaires playing a, uh, a, a game that's a wonderful game that's run and owned by millionaires, if not billionaires. And, you know, it, it's, it should not be taken too seriously, but I want you to know it was a great time on your show. Hopefully, uh, even though I do joke a lot, people know I am serious. I do love the Mets. I love being on your show. I think you do an incredible job, and hopefully uh, everybody will enjoy the episode. And I just wanted to call and tell you how much I enjoyed you and Barry and Jeff and being on the show. So thank you for giving me that opportunity for uh, helping us to promote our podcast, Baseball and BBQ, and just for being Gary Mack. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. Well, thanks, Len. Thanks for that. It's always a great pleasure having you and Jeff and Barry on the show. And, uh, I think people know you, you're serious about the team. You, you have to joke. You, you have to have some humor in this whole situation, especially in this world this year, the way things are going. Uh, I don't think we, we, uh, take ourselves enough for, uh, uh, you know, we don't have enough humor in our lives. And, and I thank you for coming on and, and saying those things and, for coming on the show and cracking a few jokes, we need a little humor. It wasn't we didn't start the show the most uh, humorous way, and I'm glad that we can uh, get that point across to people. So it's been a kind of a different show this 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 episode. Uh, a bookend with serious stuff maybe, and in the middle we had a couple of laughs, so that's okay too. You got to do that in this modern world and that's gonna wrap it up for this week's show i'm gonna call it quits and um we'll see uh i have some thinking to do uh hopefully i'll be back next week with uh, more um we have to weigh our options at this point uh i'm still a little disappointed in this team not only uh, for the uh, protests, but the performance as well. Uh, I uh, hope, uh, if you gathered that by the roundtable, that they do sell and that we can, uh, uh, you know, 
start building something here. Start building something good instead of this patchwork nonsense that they've been doing the last few years. It, it, it's it's time. It's just time. It's very tiresome. I've been a fan since 1962 from the beginning, and it's tiresome. I'm not getting any younger, so <laughs> I hope something happens, and, and uh, I'd like to see one more winner before my time is up. But, you know, you never know. All right, so I want to thank you all for listening. I hope and for putting up with uh, me and my opinions. But uh, it is what it is. And I hope that we see you again uh, next time on another edition of Mitch Musings.